0: Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talland, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by it's so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm going to be explaining why exactly I stole a child's drawing this weekend and why I'm not one bit ashamed of that. I'm going to be digging into freedom, young expression and why we relinquish certain freedoms as we grow old and become scared to fuck up. Music for the show is provided by the wonderful Dirty Freud. currently touring Luxembourg and got some awesome bookings and new releases coming up soon so go check out his music. The show is as ever supported by founding sponsor and critical pillar of this show Illustration X, who do a lot of great work for the creative industry. They represent a broad raft of talent globally, from lettering specialists to fashion illustrators, to mural artists, to editorial design and advertising artists, and if you've got custom queries, they've got a absolutely brilliant team of people who will work closely with you to find the right person for the job they're also doing an increasing amount of animation work at the moment which is exciting too so go and check them out we are X on social media illustrationx.com online so how are you all it's been a few weeks since the last show and i've had some really great feedback um it seems that some people enjoy the monologue format and like i said on the show i'm going to be doing a nice mix of episodes with guests we've got some good ones lined up but I'm having to be patient to tie them down. I've just been hit with a raft of work myself, which is most welcome after maybe my quietest quarter start to the year since 2000 and... I want to say 12 because I know that because that's the frustration and anger and vitriol and venom that lashed into those early blog posts that would go on to become my first book champagne and wax crayons and it wasn't drastic i think it was six maybe eight weeks but at the time i'd had two really strong years where there was a lot of you know editorial fast turnaround consistent work coming in at all times and it was brilliant and i felt bang you know i've made it i'm an, uh, I'm an illustrator i'm here i'm not going anywhere And um, and then <sighs> power down everyone goes begging a lot of clients drop me at once for no fault of my own just changing trend need for a new person lack of budget various reasons that are beyond our control um, and it's not been that way for a while but don't get me wrong if you're going to freelancing and you're quite new this happens all the time I mean there's been quiet spells on and off for the last few years because the dynamic in my own work has shifted from like I said what used to be very fast and furious editorial newspaper magazine work Um, coming in going out the door the next minute all the time to what has now become longer projects better budgets more time in between so I'm kind of more accustomed to the quiet spells but the last month or two of last year and then the first quarter of this year have been pretty barren and I wasn't too worried you're always you've always got this nagging doubt that never quite goes away and I think you'll You'll either experience this, you'll know it well if you've been there and you're a jaded vet, <laughs> and and it does trouble you. You know, it, you kind of get that sense. So how it goes is, you know, you're mad busy and you can't wait to be quiet because you've got that personal project or that new thing you want to do or that time off you want to take. And when it comes, it's great for about two days, and then the voices in your head start. You know, the little devil on your shoulder. Ooh, that big water bill there. Oof. <laughs> and all the rest of it, all the mortgage payments and everything else, especially at the moment with the state of the economy and this fucked up government and everything that they're doing, and, and you know, the fuel prices and this crisis that we're in at the minute, which is what it is really for most people. Um, so, especially then, I mean, the nagging voice has just becomes a screaming smack in the face. It's not a little devil on your shoulder anymore, is it? It's a full on shoe into the chin. <laughs> and, um, and so I'd gone through that spell and then I came into a nice uh, little burst of work the last few weeks so while it's welcome it's meant that I've not been able to jump on um, and do the podcast I've not been able to get the interviews in the bag for for guests coming up but there are some great conversations bubbling I met some really interesting people recently so I think there's going to be some belters coming up soon so sit tight and in the meantime uh, when I get a day like I have today where it's in between jobs um there'll be an episode and we're going to get into why that episode's come about today because it was quite a funny incident over the weekend sorry got the coffee on the go it's one of those days i've got young twin kids and they're running me ragged at night time at the minute they're up at like 10 past five every day and i'm kind of used to it but you're also not you've also got just a saddle on your nose by eight eight in the morning and you feel like you've been up for two weeks anyway you don't want to know about that (laughs) so the reason i mentioned the quiet spell is um Something that I found interested in, this is something I'm going to write about in the creative condition uh, draft of the, the, the book that's coming up and it's about the validation and, and the feeling of worth. And I find this quite important. And I think this is the one of the roots of that nagging voice that I mentioned, and it's this, it's that feeling that you are still self unemployed and not full unemployed. Now there's a big difference because let's face it, self, you know, self-employment, self-unemployment, it's a tongue in cheek thing. It's the ebb and flow of the freelance nature of doing business. And then there's full unemployment and that's what it starts to feel like after a while. So I'd be sitting in coffee shop windows and I've been doing a lot of writing. So I made a decision that during this quiet spell, as long as it lasted within reason. I was going to not panic. I was going to keep that voice at bay and I was going to lay some serious foundations for my author career, which I'm sure you guys have noticed by now is very much up and running it's going on alongside my illustration. And I keep trying to find that balance and some weeks I'll be doing a lot of writing stuff, other weeks I'll be banging on doors for illustration clients and loving my illustration work and I just want to make pictures. So it's about finding what works at any given time for that, but when you do too much of one thing, there's either the guilt that I'm not doing anything to take the writing forward. Or in this case, in this instance, I spent so long pushing my latest fiction book, Stories for the Apocalypse, number one, Notes on the New Normal, which is a short ebook um, and soon to be audiobook story collection. It's suburban horror slash black comedy about the state of mind, the mania that's going on in the world at the moment and how people cope or don't cope with that. You've probably seen the ghost images on social media have been running around in a sheet because that was the part of the uh, the art direction for the marketing for that book and there was also uh, the accompanying illustrated zine a wolf in sports clothing and i wanted to get behind those and you know put the time to good use but what you find is you sit there and you get these weeks where you might sell one two sometimes no books and you're looking out of a coffee shop window and you're just increasingly alarmingly aware of the lack of work and it's, it tightens around you like a Python. And it's hard to shake off. It really is. That said, I got a couple of bits of work in the other week and it's amazing. Just how quick you resume the validation and feeling professional again and going fucking brilliant. I've got this book out there now, two books out there. I've got an author website. I've got a profile. I've learned a bit about marketing I'm moving forward. And now I'm getting paid to do some work again and that feels amazing and then you go bloody hell I've wasted that time now because I was fretting and worrying but I don't think I'll ever quite crack that juggling act it just becomes a case of garnering enough experience and enough self-confidence to know that it's always going to feel like that but the panics are not true and the purple patches are not they are true but they, they, they come and go as well so just, I just wanted to share that, those feelings because I think it might chime with a few of you guys and it might even be useful to other people who maybe are caught up in that you know, crazy guilt that's going on and everything so there we are um, so about this episode I called it, as you would have seen and you might have seen on my social channels over the weekend I stole a child's drawing <laughs> because that's what I did this weekend I nicked, I shamelessly nicked an amazing drawing here's why and it's something that I've been writing about in the creative condition book um, I'm gonna read you the piece you might have already read it I apologize if you have maybe you'll enjoy it in audio format or you are coming across it for the first time but here we go I stole a child's drawing this weekend there was a local dinosaur event in town and a kid drew the shark the lad was about six maybe seven I guess and while he drew his dad stood staring at something on his phone oblivious Without really looking at the final result he issued a vague compliment and then said they needed to get going and set off. His son hashed out the last bits of colour at speed, flung down the crayon and then legged after his dad. It never crossed his mind to keep the drawing. Do you know how many lecturers, art directors, designers, illustrators and artists have spent hours teaching, learning to draw this powerful, this effectively? A lot. Trust me, It took my college tutors one and a half years to knock the perfection out of me and set me on my way to something better. It's true that your five-year-old could do this, but you couldn't. Want to know why? Schools, workplaces, your mates, a well-meaning loved one will slowly nudge or shove you towards a false idea of perfection. Nothing more than an illusion. Adults will stand and coo over a hyper-realistic painted portrait when a photograph does a better job with one snap of the shutter. Rendering the painting all but redundant, despite its masterful craftsmanship. They all go and tell that kid, as he slowly abandons that invaluable flippancy and willingness to fuck up. The very thing that makes the superb shark drawing breathe with vitality and power, in pursuit of feeding expectations, stability, prestige and a fat pension. I stole the drawing not from the child, but from the jaws of the recycling bin. The kid forgot the work the second he finished the masterpiece after he snapped his own shutter. I claimed it to put on my studio wall so that every time I start to overwork my art, I am reminded just how good it could be, how much better we all could be if we just let go. So I hope you enjoyed that. It was a short, snappy one and it was, uh, it was a true event. There was this, I'm going to just go, I thought it'd be nice to kind of pick through some of that and just elaborate a little bit. So there was a, it was called the dinosaur dig. And as I mentioned, I've got two, two and a quarter year old twins and it's pure magic at the minute you know they're everything is new everything is exciting and they are learning so much on a daily basis that sometimes when they go to sleep they're just babbling what's gone on that day and just repeating themselves my little boy frank was uh, going to sleep last night and he's going (laughs) bye bye dinosaur his eyes are rolling it's like when a drunk person has um, maybe tried it on with somebody they fancy and it's blown up in the face and as they're like struggling to get that shoe off and falling asleep in their coat they're going I love you (laughs) oh god I'm speaking from experience now but it's a beautiful age and so this event is full of all these kids and they're drawing and they're digging and they've got these kind of cool big people in dinosaur suits that, are, you know, a kid that age can't tell the difference and their mouths are hanging open and their eyes are bugging out of their heads and it's just beautiful. But what's going on alongside it is there's a drawing table and there's um like an archaeologist style sand pit where they can brush off the sand and find these dinosaur fossils and shells. And it's just, I loved it. I loved just observing the magic of the kids. And you also kind of see the slightly older kids, so now I'm veering into like eight, nine, ten and upwards, who kinda stand there, have a little fiddle around with a pen or maybe like brush the sand, look around, resume looking cool, and toddle off. And it breaks my heart a little bit. It it really does. I find it so sad how the you know, the society we're in, the education system we have, the keeping up appearances that we buckle to as we get older and more aware of ourselves kills what was going on in this boy's drawing which is the reason why i stole it so like i said the kid did it so flippantly so naively so throwaway. and this shark drawing was go and have a look at it on my social media at ben talon i've put it on a few channels on uh, twitter on, on instagram it's fantastic and it's so simple it's so naive And i think a lot of adults would look at that and go it's fucking crap but i'd never say it to him and um, that's sad as well because they're completely wrong and and that's what i mentioned in in the piece so his dad you know he wasn't really paying attention and okay i get it we're we're knackered all of the time we're firefighting you need a bit of something for yourself so obviously he sees that the kid's occupied he's gone to message you ever or check an email i don't know what he's doing Um, it's not for me to say, and I've done that. You know, I I've done that many a time. We all do, but the kids done this drawing, and I'm there as like a lecturer slash illustrator slash creative industry person, and it's just amazing. So I left I left it be, and I went and drew with Frank and Martha. Come over and started drawing after a bit. My daughter, and we drew. We uh, we you know we bashed out drawings again without thinking. I, I kind of did that too. You let loose. You know, no one looking and going. Oh, it's Ben telling the illustrator who's meant to be doing this for a living. Look at that shit so so we did that for a bit and um and then the drawing's still there and the kid's long gone and I've picked up Frank's because I quite liked it and um Martha kind of did a few squiggles and ran off to to get on with something else and I slipped the other drawing behind it and now I did have a very brief soiree into shoplifting as a kid and this is something else I'm going to write about in the book because I got done for it a few weeks later and that nipped that in the bud but it was that was me expressing a negative emotion as a kid and a compulsion and an obsession when I didn't have the faculties to express what was really going on we'll get into that later in this book but maybe I'll do an episode on that um but I used to do that I used to go and slip like a magazine or a comic behind one that I bought and nick it and it's terrible but I did it again with this drawing and it's probably the first time I've done that since I got caught and banged to rights by this undercover star detective um and the point is I knew that that would be a symbol of just how powerful and how good something can be when it's not overthought, when it's done from an essence and a pure place and a curiosity and um, a place of recreation. And how so many times we adhere to trends or we we go to a uh, font that we've seen around, particularly designers, you see all the time like trendy fonts, they'll just whip out whatever the latest one is. And do it because it looks kind of cool and stylish and it's been seen and a client goes, yeah, 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 you know, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, it looks good. Yeah, it looks on point, on trend. And and then down the road, that designer might feel disillusioned or like the design's not for them anymore. And it's not that the design's not for them anymore. It's that their creativity has waned. And it's, it's I call it the wilting flower because it hasn't been nourished. It hasn't been watered with passion. It hasn't been given the right nutrition through passion and exploration and play and, and and finding right creative solutions to briefs. And this isn't about, you know, get out of your office, get, go, go and do some really cool, crazy big sculptures or whatever. We all have parameters and reasons, but it's working within that and fighting for a, a creative solution. And I think the whole reason is that stagnation and that bureaucracy that holds people down, even when they want to do that, is for the reasons that I've talked about this it's because there's this illusion of perfection and and wanting to be seen to be good rather than challenging norms and putting something out there that really is alive and it breathes and it sings and it challenges ideas and it takes things things forward and if you're into that I've got a pile of uh, Ken Robinson Sir Ken Robinson books very very tragically passed away not too long back I think it's 2020 I'm very late to the party with this, but I've you know I've I've seen all the the the, Ted, the famous TED talk The do schools kill creativity talk which you, if you haven't seen it please go and watch it now it's incredible, and Sir Ken writes about all this stuff in depth. Um, it's incredible, and he looks at that and he looks at you know the, all the 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 what creativity is and the misconceptions about it being artistry. Um, we talked about that in the last episode, but. You know, I wrote in the piece, it's, it's true that your five-year-old could do this. It's that, it's that assumption that because something's polished and it's accurate and it's recognisable, that it's good. And it's not to say that that thing can't be good. Don't get me wrong. It's about context and it's about whether the thing lives, whether it provokes the right emotion, depending on the brief, right? So I mentioned, and I didn't want it to feel like this was a bash on people who do a hyper, hyper hyper-realistic style because it's really not, but the bit where I wrote, adults will stand and coo over a hyper-realistic painted portrait. When a photograph does a better job with the snap of a shutter, rendering the painting all but redundant despite its masterful craftsmanship. Am I wrong? I don't think I am. I have so much admiration for portrait artists who can, you know, paint so that it looks like a photograph. I admire the craft. But it's not creative, it's not creativity. I, I, I believe that. I think it's draft, that's draftsmanship. That's a carpenter um, cutting a piece of wood to spec and putting it in place so that it does its job, right? It's hitting a brief. It's not creative. Um, a photograph, in my opinion, does a better job of that. that. I believe that. I love photography. I have an admiration of that medium. And when somebody captures a moment in time that, that just lets you into their soul. I think that's beautiful. What I want, what I don't want to see is a, is a, re, is a replication of that. So you can't, you know, people go, oh, it could be a photograph. You can't tell the difference. It's bloody brilliant. I think that's the worst attitude because the photograph has done that job. It's an incredible medium that takes skill and an eye and a personality to draw that and, and make that pe- that person feel so comfortable that they can let you into their very soul. And I just think to then go and paint that and make it look exactly like that, that's just, that's a copy, isn't it? That's a duplication. Anyway, that's just my two cents on that. And I think again, there's a place for that, right? If the brief, if the shoe fits and the brief for that hyper-realistic painting is relevant, then it might well be creative, but the, the act of doing that, that's draftsmanship, that's, uh, you know, and that's a craft to do that. It's practice. They say it's 10,000 hours to master a craft, right? You know, it's uh, in my instance, ink drawing or maybe writing, I don't know if I've quite ploughed 10,000 hours into the writing yet, but I certainly have in the drawing, and I do feel I can master in that, because I can pick up that pen, and I know it's every nuance, and I can control that pen, it doesn't mean that what I do with it is creative, I'm doing a job at the minute, which is a boatload of portraits, it's not creative, I'm drawing those people, like for like, it's draftsmanship, and I'm completely at ease with that, and it's paying my bills, and I'm very, very grateful and happy to be doing it, but it's not creativity, and, and uh, so Ken Robinson describes creativity as uh, the process of having an idea that that uh, an idea with value I think it is the way he puts it across in his talk Um, and that's a really great description of it it's always you know this conversation about what creativity is but I just find it sad that adults either don't pay attention or they might look and go yeah you know that's great that's good and they'll look around and smirk at each other when I picked up that drawing and I stick that to my studio wall because I think it's a genuine masterpiece I think the minimalism you can't teach, or you can teach, but you it, it takes years to knock that uh, the perfection out of a person, and that's what I wrote in the story. So um, where was it that I summed it up? Um, bu- 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 I've lost the I've lost the piece, but it was about people. Oh, I can't find this it. really annoying. Anyway. It's about that idea. So when I arrived at, oh, there we go. Um, It took my college tutors one and a half years to knock the perfection out of me and set me on my way to something better. So I hope you understand what I'm getting at with that, because it's like, um, I got to college and I was a really good drawer. My mum had been to art college and was an incredible portrait artist and her pencil work was stunning, but she learned in this old school kind of technical way and in later years, she's embraced her love of like the esoteric and channels just the feelings and the energy she has and does these amazingly alive almost spiritual paintings and they're so naive and they're just they breathe in a different way to those portraits and it goes back to the hyper-realism thing so I would provide work to my college tutors and they would give me you know mediocre grades because they recognized there was a a a talent for drawing there but they would also see that I had completely failed to harness the energy that my life drawings had when i had been given three minutes for example just like the kid on the market stall and um, I loved that they were able to finally get it out of me they were tutors that were great at knowing an individual's threshold so they knew that I was uh, a kid who was a little louder than most i was you know running around still in my tracksuit bottoms at 17 at college and i was just there because i loved art and i didn't know what else to do and they knew that i could take the heat they knew i had a good sense of humor in terms of like ribbing my mates and everything else so they gave me a proper bollocking swearing saying if i see you produce this turgid shite again you know and, and you resort to this when you're doing that stuff in life try i'm gonna kick your ass so and I remember Bill Parker, my tutor at the time, gave me a set of paints and I wrote about this in Champagne and Wax Crayons um, and Bill said, keep these, they're on the house, we know you'll put them to good use. But I'm going to come back in 20 minutes and if you haven't replicated that style in your line drawing, uh, life drawing in this piece of work, I'm going to kick your ass basically, I'm going to give you a shit grade and all the rest of it. And I did it out of fear and I did it quick without thinking and I didn't particularly love it but he adored it and they gave me a distinction and my next three briefs were distinction grades so because I managed to keep to it and eventually I started to understand why it was more alive and why it worked and why it came from a purer place. Um so it took them a year and a half to unperfect me, to uneducate the idea that it had to be right and it had to be mathematically correct and it had to be perfect and it had to be um it doesn't matter what the medium is, but perfection is often wrong. Do you know what I mean? i hope this makes some sense anyways i would bang on about this for you know but i think i've gone on but i just hope this is of some value and i and i really hope that kid didn't come back for that drawing <laughs> because i feel well tight but he didn't trust me they were off and he was away and he did it and he threw it down and i loved it and i thought i'm not gonna let that just get recycled or blow away or something and become a piece of litter i'm gonna take that home so i've got it at home I'll send you a photo because I'm having a garden studio built as we speak. And when it's done and when I'm in there, it's going to be a pride of place. Um, I kind of like the idea that whoever is it whoever it is somehow comes across it and, you know, ever asks for it back or is like, Oi, Dickhead, you stole my kids' work. And um, I can explain why and hopefully it's a compliment. And they can have it back if that's the case. But I love that shark. Let me know what you think. Hit me up, social media, at Bentallum. This is going to be factored into the book. I don't know how yet, but it's a piece that I love. I loved writing it and and I'm really going to dig into this idea in the book. And I talked to some great people um that you probably heard on the podcast so so um, not so john newbegin the chair of creative england and he goes on about this and why the old model of the education system was for a different time and it's irrelevant and create and you know, I, just as sir ken robinson talks so well about how we need creativity because this world is a bit fucked, and if we're going to resolve the issues that we face creativity is paramount so we can't keep on with this mania this um clinging to the old world and the old You know, draconian discipline and learning and revision. I could go on all day if you can't already tell i hope you've enjoyed this and i hope it's of some worth we're going to get some great guests on the show again coming up soon there's also going to be more of this stuff so i'd love to hear your thoughts hit me up drop me an email if you need to hello at bentalen.com i hope you can have a great week take care guys again thank you to the supporting founding sponsor of the show illustrationx.com and thank you to the brilliant dirty freud you can follow him at social on social media at dirty freud for providing the music for the show have a great week see you soon yeah. Mm-hmm.